hello, everybody. Welcome to another Bradley Basic podcast. I'm here with uh, Chris Connors, a good friend of mine. He's a young young guy. He's just uh, just bought a place in the city. He's uh, getting married. He's a VP. Kid's not even 30 years old. I mean, how old are you, Chris? 27. 27. Yeah. So, like, like Chris Chris comes from Cleveland, Ohio. He's he was a big big football player out there. Uh, obviously, that area. Uh, in what northwest or northeast northeast ohio northeast ohio there's a lot of fo- football players he he used his uh football skills to get into columbia right and yeah. you wanted to kind of get into what the financial world so you kind of put together a degree when you're at columbia can you kind of talk about that yeah so columbia they don't have an undergraduate business program so if you go in and you want to work in finance you might major in econ they have an econ major mm-hmm. Uh, or you can just pick something else that's interesting to you. And, you know, I, I figured I'm going to prioritize doing well here over my major. It was important to me. To what, keep, what does that mean? It's important for me to get a good GPA. Okay. Because, you know, in today's world, they'll throw your resume away if it's below a certain GPA. Really? You know, you you apply to a place, you have below X, they won't even look. Wow. So I said, what it, what major can I do that I'm going to find interesting, be successful, mm-hmm. and have a good GPA? Um, so I, I picked political science. Okay. And, you know, it's a liberal arts school. There's only so many majors you could do. Like I said, they don't have business. They don't have... Uh, finance as a major and i wasn't sure what i wanted to do anyways Mm -hmm. so i picked poli sci learned a lot learned a lot about comparative studies different countries how they govern uh relationships between countries learned a lot about history and most importantly learned how to write think critically wow so uh, that was kind of the major, and finished that up, and applied to you know tens of jobs. Yeah, I think I think one time we just randomly spoke on the phone, and you had like 40, 40 some odd interviews underneath your belt already. I mean, did, I had no idea you were doing that. Did a ton of interviews, you know, because I I came from I came from a good high school. Mm-hmm. Wait, was St. Ignatius, is that correct? St. Ed's. St. Ed's, okay. St. Ignatius is also a high school in Cleveland. Um Is that like is that like a is that like an all is that a Catholic school it's or a Catholic is it school, all boys? All guys, mm-hmm. Catholic it's school. It's kinda like CBA out this way. Yes. Mm-hmm. Same thing. And it's a good school. We mm-hmm. send a few kids every year to the Ivy League or Stanford or whatever. Mm-hmm. But I didn't I mean, I did well there, but I certainly didn't have the grades to get into Columbia. Mm-hmm. And so, as you mentioned, kind of parlayed the football with the academics to get in. Mm-hmm. And I didn't know what I wanted to do. Um, Cleveland is an interesting place for young people to work because the opportunities do not exist that they do in New York, Chicago, L.A. Right. Cleveland has a hard time retaining their smart young talent and so i knew i wanted to stay in new york and i just applied to tens hundreds of jobs 
in finance, mm-hmm. banks, asset managers, consulting. And I landed at this place I'm at now, which is called Johnson Associates. Okay. And we do compensation consulting for the financial services space. So half of it is designing comp programs. Oh, and- for like a hire? Like an executive hire? Is that what you're saying? Could be for the whole company. So oh, wow. asset management firm X comes to us looking to revamp their compensation program. Now, that means how to fund incentives, how to think about the equity, how to think about performance reviews, how to... Uh, think about succession. There's tons of issues in the financial services space you got to be aware of. Mm -hmm. And it's kind of esoteric. There's different elements of comp that don't necessarily exist in most industries. Mm. Um, And so half of it is design and half of it is benchmarking jobs. So where do you pay your people relative to the market for those roles? Mm -hmm. And we work with, you know, pretty much exclusively C-suite. So as a 27-year-old, it's been nice to be exposed to the CEO or the COO for almost every project. And my Mm. firm is so small that that exposure has been, you know. I I, I mean, how do you, I mean, when you get in a room with someone like that, uh, uh, you know, how does you, are you, uh, how do you manage your age? You know, not that, it's a deterrent because you're obviously ultra intelligent and, and you know good at what you do it's pretty obvious but how does do anybody do you have to overcome that objection potentially in a meeting or i think age i think we've come a long way in terms of how youth are viewed in the workplace okay and as you know knowledge is power so if you come in the room and you know what you're talking about. You might only know an inch wide, but you better know a mile deep. Mm-hmm. And that's how you earn trust. Um, that's good. That's good. That's that's how you earn trust. And, you know, when, when you're in a room with someone who has been running a company for 20, 30 years, you know, there's a lot of type A personalities in finance. Mm-hmm. They, they understand what they don't know because they want to know what's out there. What, what, what's the market for what we pay our people? You know, mm-hmm. I only know so much. I don't have boots on the ground. Be helpful if you guys could, you know, benchmark these jobs, design a pay program that's going to work for us. These are our goals. This is what we want to do. And then they, you start talking and they realize, okay, this, this kid knows what he's talking about. Oh, wow. That's cool. Yeah, that's cool. That's really cool. All right. Well, you know, we you know we've got the five questions. So that's a cool cool intro. I think it's it's you know it's very unique, very impressive. So fire it off. Yeah. So, like the fr- you know the first question I had, I think I would I text them to you or LinkedIn to LinkedIn them to you. Uh, why'd you pick the career that you did? I mean, you kind of did a lot of interviewing. Did that just evolve through your interview process or evolve through the interview process? But I think, you know, I value a work-life balance. Mm. I kind of knew that banking would not suit my personality. I don't, I don't want to work a hundred hours a week. You know, I enjoy, 
having free time, I knew that I would have a little bit more of that in this job. That's one reason. Second reason is I'm really interested in the financial services space. This is a way to be tangentially linked to it, but not be working in it. Mm -hmm. Uh, And the third reason is I wanted to work somewhere small. We have seven people. He founded the firm 30 years ago, so he's kept it intentionally lean for 30 years. I knew this has got to be a tight ship. Mm Mm-hmm. And I love my colleagues. They're just good people. Where are they from? Uh, mostly the East Coast. Are they your age, older? What, what's the A little bit older. So because we only have seven people, we kind of stagger the hiring every three to four years we'll hire someone new. So I'm 27. We have a kid fresh out of college. He's 23. Got another kid who's 32. 30 mm-hmm. we got another guy who's maybe 36 and then two more senior people one being the founder he's mm-hmm. 64 she's in her 50s hmm. wow. wow yeah well that work-life balance is pretty key I, like i i told you as we were driving in here sitting down a little before we started recording i, I was down at my place down in florida and i went, went down to miami and interviewed uh gary kanarska he's the executive director and ceo of american welling society and 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 you know when he looks back at his path, he, he, the work-life balance was something that he wished he would have would have done better, mm. and that's what he's working on now. Because he's you know he's got he's married, he's got a couple kids, he's you know and, and he's uh, you know he's moved out, you know he's in Asia for a long time, stuff like that. So you know the fact that you made that connection early on is is pretty. It's going to pay off. It's yeah, pay off. And I think COVID has highlighted that for a lot of people. Oh yeah, you know you're working from home, you're able to hit a jog at noon. You can walk the dog. Some days, maybe you're not as busy as others. Mm-hmm. You might be able to run an errand, go out to lunch with your spouse. These are things that, you know, in the his- in the historic sense, you could have never done. You're in the office five days a week. Right. You got to stay till the boss leaves. You got to get there before the boss. So I think in many ways, the pandemic, while it's been terrible for many reasons, there's a silver lining and that mm-hmm. it's going to change the way we work going forward. You know, people have demonstrated you're in sales. So you're on, you're on the road all the time. You don't have big brother watching over your back. Right. There's a lot right. of people who are, you know, you punch in, you got someone watching you. I think we've been able to demonstrate as a society, particularly in the, in the business world that I can get things done from home. Well, yeah, if you're an individual that likes what you do, like you do, I like what I do. And that's one of the things in Bradley Basics, I continue to try to, you know, get, you get young people to really make that decision. It's not easy. It's not, you know, I mean, it's, it's, a, it's, it's hard to, but once you get it figured out and you do get this, uh, you know, freedom or, you know, you could, you're, you're going to continue to work cause you like what you're doing. It's not like you're just gonna, you know, but if you're someone that's working, doesn't like what you do, you might be that person that does some things unethically and doesn't, doesn't do what they're supposed to do. And they might, you know, hence you need someone looking over the shoulder, which is kind of a, it's reality, you know, it, it kind of stinks. But if you're someone that, you know, can manage your, your, the results that are required, then, you know, having more free time is not, you know, detriment, you know? Exactly. You know what I mean? So, well, that's cool. Um, did you, did you have a question number two? Did you have a mentor or coach along the way? So obviously playing football, I had a ton of coaches mm-hmm. and I thought about this question a little bit beforehand. I don't think I had a mentor 
in the business world. Mm -hmm. And we spoke a little bit about this this morning, you know, depending on where you grow up, you might not be exposed to people who are successful in the business world, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. No one in my family, you know, I have an uncle who's a financial advisor. That is literally the extent to which we had someone in our family who worked in the, and I use the term very broadly, business world. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't think I had a mentor in that. What I did have is mentors on how to live. You know, my two older brothers taught me so much, and my parents taught me so much. Mm-hmm. And they're the basics. They're the core tenets of human relationships. Treat people how you want to be treated. Mm -hmm. You know, in high school, don't drink. I didn't drink until, you know, after we won the state championship my senior year. Oh, wow. So I wasn't really having any drinks until college on a consistent basis. Mm -hmm. I think that helped keep me focused. Yeah, that's huge. Um you know, just having people around you who know you got to be kind to people. You got to learn to listen. I think you need to be self-aware. Mm-hmm. These are traits that are hard to find today, you know? Yeah. How many times are you talking to somebody and you look in their eyes and you think to yourself, they're not even listening to me. They're thinking about what they want to say next. Right, right. So it's things like that, and I think those human relationships are what lead to doors opening for you. Yeah. So you just make connections. And those That's the mentors, you know, people who just tell you how to live. Yeah, especially that high-level football, especially out that way. And when I had state championship, and and uh, I remember the video showing me that you were, uh, there was a guy that was going to Iowa, that you, uh, you were fast, dude. I was... <laughs> You made that move in and out, boom, you're down the right side. <laughs> you were gone. It was it was pretty sick, bro. So <laughs> so but yeah, the, the the discipline too and then being being around coaches and, and being in athletics, a high level of athletics that you have to you have to be disciplined, you know, uh like not drinking, you know, and eating right, you know, uh like when I played hockey in Michigan, I never I'd go to a lot of parties. I I used to probably I should have if I look back, probably shouldn't have been drinking like I was. Um uh, you know, I've really tapered off obviously as I've gotten older, but, uh, you know, a lot of people were smoking cigarettes or smoking marijuana and stuff like that. I, I, I just would never do that. Cause I knew I needed my lungs when I skated, you know, yep. I needed my lungs. And so, yeah, that's, that's, that's impressive. That's good discipline and, and, and treating people and being, being aware too. And, uh, and not being selfish, like you're not a selfish person, you know, and, and there's a lot of people that are, they just kind of think about themselves and they're not, if they were to branch out and be aware of themselves and maybe they would start being aware of some other people as well and they would grow as a person. Absolutely. So that's a great connection at 27. Absolutely. Very impressive. Very impressive. Um, all right. Stage or question, question number three, at, at what point or stage of your career did you pivot into this upper management level that you have? Cause you're a VP now, right? So I, I think I got promoted within the last six months. Um, like I said, we, we have such a lean company that we all kind of do the same thing. Mm-hmm. So titles aren't that important. Our promotions are not necessarily commensurate with a pay increase. They're just not, 
uh, how you would typically see it at a company. Mm -hmm. But for for signaling to clients, it's important. You know, when I'm talking to a 27-year-old, where's this kid stand? Is he an analyst? Is he an associate? Is he a VP? Uh, You know, we have somebody younger than me now, so I've been able to teach him a lot, bring him up through the ranks. And that's, I think, a skill you mm-hmm. need to develop. Mm-hmm. By no means am I an expert on it. You know, when you get really uh, adept at your craft, you need to be able to impart wisdom on others. Mm-hmm. I mean, you you do it with so many people, and that's what makes you an invaluable employee at Lincoln. You know, you have so many guys come up and say, oh, yeah, Sean's been an unbelievable mentor. Mm-hmm. My brother's one of them. Yeah. You know, you changed his life. And how important is that? You can't just be selfish. You can't just say, oh, I want to hoard all this knowledge. And I'm only 27, mm-hmm. so, you know, I got plenty of time to continue growing from a knowledge standpoint, but also imparting wisdom. You got to teach people. Yeah, yeah, it's... Yeah, it, it, you know, it's 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 one thing to to do it yourself, but when you because you have to relate to everybody thinks differently, everybody has a different style, and when when you you know get out there and try to mentor somebody or transfer knowledge, they look they might look at it a different way that you never even thought of. Like, wow, I never even thought of that. Wow, I just learned something. You know, it gets it's you know it gets infectious. It's you know it's fun. You know what I mean? But you have to have like you said, a, a, you know, a core strength in your craft and be able. to be able to teach people the basics and it's more of a team approach. That's just what athletics gives you, right? Like you're, you're not going to win that state championship. Uh, you know, one guy just doing everything. It, it's, it's a, it's a team team game, right? I mean, how many, I mean, I mean that from that team, didn't a lot of guys go to how many guys went D one? Like it was guys from Michigan and stuff. And Oh yeah, yeah. We had, so I think in my class we had 10 or 11 guys go D one in the class above us probably had something similar. So that team had, you know, 20 Division One football players on it. Wow. And I'm talking Michigan, Northwestern, uh, Oklahoma, some of the best football programs around. And uh, it helps to be around people who are driven. Mm-hmm. And you see the work that they put in. Mm-hmm. You know, we used to have these Saturday morning workouts in high school that were crossfit type workouts oh wow but it turned into a competition where you'd show up joe smith's name would be on the leaderboard he did the workout in four minutes and 58 seconds where's chris connor's gonna be so in my head i'm going i want to beat joe even though i love him he's my teammate (laughs) but i want to be atop the leaderboard yeah yeah and that's just you, you know the only way you get better is if you surround yourself with people driven yeah like yeah. you yeah that's cool that's real cool yeah well uh, question number four like what what work you uh you think it's going to take to stay and thrive at this uh new executive level that you that you're at right now i, I know think, it's a small company but yeah. more, more customers higher level customers uh, no i think continuing to develop the relationships with clients that i have um you know my company, there's a chance that we'll be sold imminently. My boss is 64. He founded the place. You know, I don't know how much longer he's going to work. 
So I try not to project too far. I mean, I know this is a bit of a cop out on the question, but you know, you just dig and dig and dig and you work and you try to just become an expert at your craft. Mm -hmm. And you you know what that's like, you know, it takes time, repetition, and you got to be curious. You know, when I read a book and I find, and I come across a word I don't know, I look it up and then I write it in my notepad on my phone and then I force myself to use it. Mm, Wow. And sometimes you sound like an idiot. You know, you're trying to interject this word. It might not make sense. Uh, it might be... Well, you used a couple of high-end words that I didn't realize you, what they were just in the beginning of our conversation. You, so. so you just, you got to push yourself in yeah. that way. But yeah. it's the same with a job. You know yeah. how it is. Like, you got to be curious, right? Mm-hmm. You you know how to install a robot, but maybe there's a new one coming on the market and you go, well, I want to learn about this. Mm-hmm. What's yeah, going on Yeah, continuous learning, continuous learning. Let me just go tool around here. Mm-hmm. And uh, what kind of books are you reading these days? I'm all over the map right now. I'm reading a book called Noise. It's by uh, Daniel Kahneman. He wrote Thinking Fast and Slow. It's behavioral economics. He's a Nobel Prize winner. Hmm. Um, but the book is just about there's bias and noise in the decisions that we make. Hmm. So, just we'll take a a second and digress sure a judge for example is presented with facts about someone who is facing charges the same charges could be brought to a different judge who comes to a different sentencing conclusion mm-hmm. and they've run studies on this and determined that the variation in sentences that judges hand out is disproportionately wide relative to the facts of the case you know you're obviously going to have some band of dissimilarities in what sentences are handed out but when somebody is convicted of you know having a little cocaine or whatever it is and they're sentenced to six months in jail and then you got somebody else same amount of cocaine sees a different judge, and he gets three years in jail. And you go, wait a minute, what's going on here? So the book dissects, there's there's noise, which is different. What what, what does that mean? Noise just means bad, uh, you know, bad data, basically. All right. Now, how does that get generated in that scenario, what do you think? There's a lot of things that impact somebody's judgment. So, for example, they found that, on cooler days, judges are less likely to hand out harsher sentences. Really? If a judge hasn't eaten lunch yet and is hungry, they're more likely to hand out harsher sentences. Right? These aren't inherent biases. This is just bad data. This is decisions that are being made. So you want to see a judge after lunch, eh? Or maybe you come in with a with a hoagie. You come in... <laughs> <laughs> You come in on a cloudy day with a hoagie yeah. at, at noon, and you might be better off. So, and and it's incredible. And what they've done is they've actually isolated and done studies with judges who volunteered to to enter these, and they hand them case facts, and they all get the same facts of the case, right? And they've run studies and determined. And everybody had lunch, and everyone's had lunch, 
and they've determined that the sentences vary significantly. Wow. And they, they do the same thing with insurance companies, and uh, it's, it's startling when you run a company where you have Sean Bradley and his counterpart, right? And you guys are claims adjusters for a big insurance company. And the customer has the same facts in both cases. But Sean quotes a premium of $800 and Joe quotes a premium of $600. Mm-hmm. Significant difference. Yeah, yeah. You know, 25% difference. And you're going, wait a minute. This is supposed to be science. We've got facts here. We should come to the same conclusion. It's a premium for an insurance claim, right? Mm -hmm. And so it's an interesting book in that way. It just makes you think harder. And uh, the last thing I'll say about it is, you know, one of the potential solutions is they, they recommend that you independently poll people to come to a conclusion. So... In that instance, you might take five or six uh, claims adjusters at an insurance company, give them the same facts, and take six different premium quotes, and then you come to a conclusion Mm. based on that. And you don't let them see what the other person quoted. So... uh, It's it's an interesting book. Yeah, so so this book is just basically going through these different scenarios, you know, pretty much illustrating you know, the method to come up with the different, you know, you know, the bias or whatever, but is there, is the book saying, okay, how do you, how can we make this all the same? Like, is, is there any kind of methodology going forward to say, okay, we've done all this analysts and we see that we've got these different factors and they've been proven out maybe statistically, whatever. And then is there a, you know, is this individual, this, this author, is he working on like solutions to say, is he bringing that to the, the court of law, for example? Or are they saying, wow, we need to think about this or, yeah, or so what? For, so in the court of law example, what they've tried to do is implement sentencing bans, B-A-N-D-S, for certain crimes. So, you know, they can look and see if these are the facts, and it's all on this pretty graph for us. If these are the facts, this guy has three prior convictions, uh, his sentence should be in this band, right? If we've done enough analysis, we should know that he should get anywhere from two years to four years. And then you make a judgment, because ultimately you're a judge. Mm -hmm. That's what you do. But the disparities now are so large that it's problematic. So you need to do rigorous analyses. You need to do noise audits and... Once you can come to a conclusion about, you know, the data, then you can present a reasonable solution hmm. for how to address it. Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, because you know this guy has got three priors, and you can look at the three priors. Was, was that was that awarded properly? And uh, it just becomes a, you know, a big ball going it's down not the hill. Easy. Yeah, it's yeah. First, you know, first of all, don't do cocaine. There's you know. <laughs> <laughs> How about that? Or don't don't drink and try. Easy solution. Easy solution. Stay out of trouble. Stay out of trouble. Yeah, please. Yeah, just stay at home. <laughs> All right. Uh, 
Question number five. Uh, if you were to do it all over again, would you change anything? I mean, you're just starting your career. You're only working for five years. You're pretty successful. It's pretty impressive. And I know you're uh, recently engaged and you just bought a place. And so this work, work, work life balance thing is going to be coming into play big time. And, you know, so yeah, maybe this might be a, I don't think I would do anything differently. You know, I, uh, I try not to have any regrets in that regard. Mm-hmm. I think. Well, yeah, this question is more just, it's more pot. It's more the other way. Like just things you could have done a little bit better or improved or mm. things you could have improved upon. It, it's, it's, it's kind of from that context, you know, it's not. Yes. That's a good question. Yeah. I mean, I think, uh, you ideally want to maximize how much you're learning, right? Mm-hmm. And when you're in college, everyone's doing the partying, everyone's doing a little bit of school, a little bit of this, a little bit of that. I think even beyond college and in, in my job, if there's anything I would change, and I'm still working on this, mm-hmm. it's just you can never stop thirsting for knowledge you know it's 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 the most powerful tool Mm -hmm. that you have and and i try to be curious about things i I don't know everything going on in my industry right i'm always learning from my boss there's different things and i'll google it and i'll say oh okay that's what that is but then do you test yourself Mm -hmm. do you go back a week later and you see the same concept and you say, what is that? And you force yourself to be able to explain it. You say it out loud. That's important. That's something that I struggle with, you know? What do you mean? Well, like, like, so you, you, you know, you do, you, you're curious about something, you, you, you pursue it, you do some research and what the applying of it, you mean? Like just whether or not you truly understand it or not. Is that, yeah. is that what you're saying? Yeah. I think you have, unless you can effectively explain something to someone verbally, mm-hmm. I don't think that you fully grasp it. And, you know, that's an integral part of wisdom, mm-hmm. right? Wisdom. Well, it's the awareness factor you are talking about earlier in the conversation, being aware of that. Yeah. You know, and just working through it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. You know? So. Well, see, it's what's good about it is you, you, the courage to try. Well, you're not going to be as successful as you are if you don't, if you don't have courage to try. You know, and, and, you know, when things don't work out the way you thought that it, it, it just drives you to continue to work and, and make that beat that guy, uh, Joe Smith at four, four minutes and 58 seconds. You know? Exactly. You know what I'm saying? Like you're just, now you're just against yourself, you know, that's kind of what happens. You just become, you know, you start doing internal work and you're just trying to be better than you were yesterday. Yeah, you know what I'm saying, and if you just can continue to do that, it's you know, there's just a lot. I, I like I listen to a lot of my podcasts. The ability to get information today is just so readily available. Like Google something, put it in your notes in your phone, like you talked about, and read a book. Uh, you know, you can do it on a Kindle or do it online, or you can listen to a book. It's amazing. Oh, it is. I mean, and, and I think. What I'm working on, Bradley Basics, is trying to inspire young people to realize that they're, they're rich in time. There's all the, the world's their oyster. They don't even. They just have to go out and get it. 
just go to go out and get it, make their make their own way. That just everything's right there. Mm-hmm. You know, everything's right there. So it's it's amazing. Well, well, here's a you know little little side question. Like, what is you know you're going to be a uh, uh, you're going to be a you know young husband moving forward, and and what are your thoughts about that? Like, um, I'm what excited. do you think about what what do you think about young married people into today's side society? I guess is what I'm getting at. No, I'm excited. I mean, I think it says that you're ready mm-hmm. to move on to that phase of your life. There's a lot of people my age who aren't, mm-hmm. and I'm not, you know, I'm not trying to equate being ready with some sort of uh, hierarchy. It's not better or worse, but it's a different phase. Mm-hmm. And I've been with my fiance Saskia for five years we met in college senior year mm-hmm. we just bought a home together it's awesome and yeah that's an exciting step to take solidify that through marriage you know when you found that person you know mm-hmm. they're your best friend yeah Spend all your time with them. You love hanging out with them. That's just how. Well, it they're, works. they're you're like your partner. You know, they're your partner. Yeah, and so that's exciting. And you know, there's daunting aspects of it. I think one. I think one thing a lot of people fear is diving into that step, which may also coincide with building a family. Mm-hmm. And just giving up their independence and freedom, right? We we have no obligations currently. We don't have children. We don't have to worry about paying for school or going to meetings or whatever it is. We just, you know, selfishly operate how we want to operate. If we want to go out to dinner, we'll go out to dinner. Mm-hmm. We don't have to worry about this and that. And I don't think that you can fear that step. If it If it's right, it's right. You dive in, you build a financial nest egg, and then maybe you build a family, and that's a wonderful thing too. Mm-hmm. You know, that's great. It's great. I mean, it's um, that's great. I mean, that's impressive. I think it's great. I mean, that's real impressive. You know, it's uh, yeah, you guys would do well. You're already doing well. You know, I mean, I can't wait to come into the city, and I'm going to help Greg with some work in his place that he just bought, and some backsplash and things like that. So yeah, it's extremely impressive. So. All right. Well, hey, I appreciate your time. This is a great podcast. You know, real, real even keel. I think we uh, see. Here, you know, we just, you know, real, real clean. We yeah. covered it. Yeah, real clean, real clean, ready to go. So, all right, everybody. I, like, like always, uh, Bradley Basics. Appreciate your time and uh, enjoy the day. Thank Take you. care.